This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Being with the Lord Jesus, it's so important for us. And we see this, especially also with these two that were walking on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 32, Luke 24, 32, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? And then a few verses later in Luke 24, 45, 24, 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Two men walking to Emmaus, talking about what has happened, and they're walking on this road, and all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus is with them, and the scriptures, he opens the scriptures to them. It's a closed book. The Bible's a closed book. Let's face it, it's a closed book, unless the Lord Jesus opens it up for a person. It's essentially closed. We can't, naturally speaking, we can't see Jesus on every page, as the hymn says, beyond the sacred page. I seek thee, Lord, my spirit pants for thee. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. As he said in John 5.39, John 5.39, search the scriptures. For in them you think ye have life, they are they which testify of me. To see the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures requires the Lord himself to open up the scriptures, which he does when we are with him just as he did for the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 45. Then he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, he's told the 12, he's told these 12, he's good, these apostles now, the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. They're being sent now as God's as laborers into God's harvest to gather souls. He's told them that. Great work. He's called them, called them to himself so he can do this. Now he equips them with the first provision for the work with Matthew 10.1, Matthew 10.1. He gave them power 
against unclean spirits. So that told, that told the disciples, who are apostles now, apostles, that this harvest is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. He tell, he's telling the apostles that you need to expect opposition, expect opposition, and your opponents are not going to be what you can see. You can't see them. You can't see your opponents. Your opponents are invisible, and they are unclean spirits, unclean spirits. So the apostles are going to battle with unclean spirits. They're invisible. They're unclean spirits. And as they battle with them, no surprise as you battle with them in the harvest of souls, that you're going to have unclean thoughts and you're going to need to go to the Lord Jesus often to have his blood cleanse your hearts because you are fighting against unclean spirits in this conflict. And so now the word that's in verse 1, which really keys them off to what's going to happen, is the word against. I give you power against unclean spirits. Against. You're going to be in a combat. You're going to be in a fight. You're going to be in a wrestle to get these souls, to harvest these souls. So in essence, the Lord is, when he's telling this up front, he's in essence saying, if any of you don't want to get involved in a conflict of unclean spirits, now's your time. You should drop out. And maybe you should just go ahead and move to the Caribbean, sit in relaxing, balming air on a veranda overlooking the sea, sipping your coffee. That's fine. If any of you don't want to get into this fight, and instead you'd rather have lunch instead, drop out, to the boos and jeers of the angels in heaven. But on the other hand, on the other hand, if you, the Lord is in essence saying to them, if you want purpose in your life, purpose in your life, then you, you should stay, not drop out. If you want your life to be used by God to accomplish great things, you need to stay not drop out. If you want an exciting life full of challenge and wonderful adventure and fulfillment, stay, don't leave. If you want something to show for your life when it's all over, stay, don't leave. If you want for eternity to have God's statement on you, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then you should stay and not drop out. And so there they were, and those men, they lined up, so to speak, at attention in God's army. They're standing there, and, and they, they might as well sing, you know, I, I may never march in the infantry and <laughs> ride in the cavalry, shoot in artillery, zoom over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir, you know, so there they are. All right, so now, this conflict's going to be hard, men, in essence, he's going to say to them, because uh, I got news for you. Those unclean spirits don't want you to harvest souls out of their kingdom. So we have the word against. Against. With this word, he's showing the apostles, say, your work of harvesting these souls is going to be directly leveled against the devil and his forces. That's what you're in for. That's the word against. And it's interesting, this word against, because when you look at that, in the context of taking on you the whole armor of God from Ephesians 6, 11, Ephesians 6, 11, just think of how many times it says against there. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against 
the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a wrestle. It's going to be a conflict. It's going to be a struggle against spiritual force you can't even see. You're going to be fighting against a whole hierarchy of power with these different ranks of principalities, powers, rulers, etc. All right, now, the next three verses there, verse 10 through 4, we're told the, the names of the 12 apostles, the names of the 12 apostles, and they're given to us there. And by the way, in verse 4, when it says Simon the Canaanite, you may, you, know, you may look at that and say, what's a Canaanite doing in there? No, it doesn't mean someone from Canaan. It means someone from Cana of Galilee, not Canaan. I wouldn't have done it, but they didn't ask me, so what can I do anyway? <laughs> so here they are. There's 12 apostles. There are 12 apostles, and, and they're all standing up there, you know, and, and, and we look at those 12 apostles and we say, what a motley crew that is. What a ragtag army they look like to take on the mighty spiritual forces of darkness. you got to be kidding me. This is the army that's going to conquer all the evil ones? I mean, not one of them, usually people would say, you know, I'm, Cana, I'm from Cana, you know, I, I, I'm from here. Nobody could say I was from Jerusalem. Not even a no prestigious city, the nobody from Jerusalem. They're the men. Who are those people? They're fishermen. They're despised tax collectors. They're just common everyday people. Who are these people in his army there? They're not wealthy. <laughs> these were not wealthy men who would have attracted people to them because of their money. These were not famous men. Nobody famous then is, a, you know, it's like a, uh, Simon who, who would have attracted people because of their notoriety. They weren't educated people. They weren't educated men who would have, people would have been drawn to because of their superior knowledge. They weren't particularly wise. They weren't considered wise men who people would have said, well, you know, he's very intelligent. We got to go, go to him. They weren't talented, talented, probably maybe worth fishing, but not for this job of persuading people. They were not talented that, that where people would be drawn to them because of their special abilities. They weren't, nothing says they were particularly handsome men, good-looking men, and people would have gone to them because of how they appeared. They weren't many men of, in a high office, you know, or people would have gone to them because of their rank. They were just common, plain, everyday, more or less honest men. And when the men God chose were put next to wise men, wealthy men, men of wealth and fame and education and talent and attraction and rank, these men look foolish. And compared to the mighty men of, of wealth and, all, and fame and education, these men looked weak, and God purposefully did not choose wealthy, famous, educated, talented, attractive, high-ranking men because their persons would have confused the message. The message. The gospel message was not about those men. The message was about God, and God did not want the messengers to get in the way of the message. And because these men were who they were, God met his goal when he selected them. And his goal is 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 
For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, that he might bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So God was very purposeful when he chose these men who the world looked down on and said they're nothing. They're the lowest level of society. And that's how the world saw these men in Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So God chose with these men what the world says is despised, is based, is uneducated, is ignorant men, so that the message could be clear. The message they carried there, all about God, not about themselves. None of those men that God chose could brag about what they accomplished, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, it's kind of like this. God's gospel message is like a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And the beautiful picture has a frame around it. And the frame are the men, because they're carrying the picture there. And the purpose that God has is that he does not want the frame to detract from the picture. That's why he's chosen these common, everyday men who are willing to lay their lives down for the message, the picture that they preached. And that's the kind of men he chose. You know those kind of men? They're the type of common everyday men that make the best witnesses in court. They're unpolished, they talk like it is. The type of person that everyone believes. They're believable, the most believable men. They're just too simple to have made up this whole gospel message themselves. That's who God chose. And that's when he fulfilled his mission that through those men with the message, Acts 17.6, Acts 17.6, these that have turned the world upside down. Now, these are the men, we see them here in verses two through four, and as we look at them, we kind of, like you said, you kind of look and shake our heads and says, you know, Lord, is, is that really your army? <laughs> you're gonna really send out those men? That's the ones you're gonna send out? And just to confirm that doubt, because you know, it's a little shocking when you read that list, Starts off in verse one, he says he, he's called these men, and then he names them. And then just to confirm it, in verse five, it says, these 12 Jesus sent forth, just in case there was any doubt. So the word apostles means sent, to send. That's what apostles mean. So like Messiah who is sent, the apostles are sent. The most important aspect of a, a worker for the Lord Jesus, he must be sent. He has to be sent. And this doesn't mean he sends himself. This means God sends him. That's what it says in, in Romans 10, 15. Romans 10, 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? And so in Luke 6, 13, Luke 6, 13, it says, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, and he named them apostles. Now, there's a distinct time here, or a very distinct time when this happened, when they were disciples, and then they became apostles. It was a distinct time. Just as there is a distinct time when a person is lost 
and then he receives Christ, and he is saved. There's a distinct time. There was a distinct time when they were disciples, and then they were called apostles. They became apostles. They were promoted. So, and that was when they were sent. John 6.70, John 6.70 puts it this way. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12? Chosen you 12. Now, they were chosen. They didn't, they didn't choose themselves. They were chosen. But that doesn't mean that a person is only to sit there and wait to see if God chooses him because a person can ask to be chosen. He can ask to be chosen. That's what Isaiah the prophet did. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 6.8, Isaiah 6.8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. See? So in other words, it's possible for a person to volunteer himself, to say, choose me, and God did. And on the other hand, it's possible when a person is chosen for a person to say, no, I won't do it. I won't go. Kind of shocking to say this, but that was Moses. Moses, of all people. Moses, Rabbeinu, Moses, right? Anyway, it says in Exodus 4.10, Exodus 4.10, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow speech, and of a slow tongue. The Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth? Who made them tongue, the dumb, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with thy mouth. Teach you what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. In other words, not me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And it's possible also, so that was the case, unfortunately, for many people, that Moses got straightened out. But it's also possible for a person to run away when he's being sent, to run away. That was Jonah. Jonah in Jonah 1.3, Jonah 1.3, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, so we got 12 apostles here. 12 apostles, and they're sent out. 12's not... Uh, just a haphazard number. 12 is very meaningful in the Bible. And of course, the greatest meaning of 12 is the 12 tribes. It represents Israel. The number 12 represents the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's 12 tribes. We're going to see later on that he's going to send these, not to the Gentiles, but to the Jewish people. We have 12 apostles to reach 12 tribes. There was a 13th apostle. There was a 13th apostle. Well, first of all, Judas Iscariot was replaced by Matthias, so he's still part of the 12. But there was a 13th apostle, and that was Paul. Paul, Romans 11:13. Romans 11:13. I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. So 12 apostles reached the Jewish people. A 13th apostle reached the rest of the world, the Gentiles. Now, when we look at those 12 apostles, the 12 apostles are all very unique. None of them are the same. They're very, very different. And it's kind of like they're symbolized by the 12 gems that went into the breastplate of the priest, the high priest. 
in the tabernacle. And each one of those gems, there weren't two diamonds, there weren't two emeralds, there weren't two sapphires, there's just one, one of each. It says in, in Exodus 28, 17 through 21, Exodus 28, 17 through 21, it lists all of them and it talks about a sardis and a topaz and a carbuncle and then there was an emerald, a sapphire, a diamond, and then a ligure, and an agate, and an amethyst, and a beryl, and I don't even know what some of these things are, an onyx, a jasper, and so forth. But they were all different, and these apostles were all different. And he chose them, as we see here, very early in his ministry. Why? So that they could spend and they could have as much time as possible to get to know the Lord Jesus, and to be familiar with him. This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, you've spent a lot of time with me, Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy 3.10, 2 Timothy 3.10, thou hast, Paul speaking to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came into me in Antioch, which persecutions I endured but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, it's one thing to hear about a person. It's another thing to see that person firsthand. And this is what the apostles treasured so much in their life. They treasured that they had the opportunity to see firsthand and learn about the Lord's habits of life, his purpose, his faith, how he showed love, his instruction, his patience, how he handled anger, how he dealt with his enemies, how he handled persecution and prejudice. They saw it firsthand. And by spending all that time with the Lord, the apostles really got to know the person of the Lord Jesus from firsthand. And that's what gave them boldness. That's what gave them boldness, it says in Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13, when they saw, like we saw, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. See, the Lord wants to give us that same. He wants to give us that same firsthand knowledge. But it only comes as we take time to be alone with him, door shut to the outside world. Just like it says in John 20, 26, John 20, 26, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. And that's how, that's also when we become like the apostles and get that firsthand knowledge of the Lord Jesus, which is why a quality daily devotion time is so essential. Not something that has to be done in a legalistic, I must do duty fashion, but because that's where we get that treasure of getting to know the Lord. That's the purpose of this class is to spend some time in the scriptures as the Holy Spirit enables or facilitates, facilitates our getting to know him better. Search the scriptures in John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. So just as the apostles treasured their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we treasure as we gain from the scriptures our knowledge of him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, uh, sharing your beloved son with us. Your treasure has become our treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.